1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. So we're going to start off in review, uh, one verse review, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. And Aaron did such an excellent job uh, the couple of Wednesdays we were out, and he was talking about prayer problems. And one prayer problem is a problem of faith and a lack of faith is a problem rooted in the people of God not understanding the integrity of the word and the ability of God to stand behind his promises and his statements of fact. Now, you have to understand every generation that goes by has more trouble because the generation we came up in and because of who because of the church I grew up in, because then because of who we were exposed to early, Finest Jennings Dake, we always took the integrity of the Word of God for granted. But people walk into churches today and they don't have a Christian worldview. They haven't been taught the basics. And to them, I mean, the, it's like in the uh, Hollywood movie, The Book of Eli, you go through the whole movie, and then he sticks the Bible on the shelf next to the Koran. Uh, people have an idea that it's just another book, just another holy book. And so it sabotages them. Another prayer problem is whether or not the believer understands his or her ability to stand in the presence of God without any guilt or condemnation or inferiority. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, if you don't know that, how can you walk in it? This new creation of Christ is a product of God. It, he or she is created, recreated in Christ Jesus. And uh, I love this term in the Greek that we're born from above. John 3, 3 says, in reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. But the literal Greek reads, Answered Jesus and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone not be born from above, he is not able to see the kingdom. So we're born again. That is a phrase that Billy Graham made famous. But we are born from above. We are in this world, but we're not of this world. I think one of the things that is probably the most alarming to me, to our family, and to the ministerial staff here at Faith Christian Center is how this generation of the church world is in love with the world. And man, I could go on a side journey right here. Young people want to look like the world. It's a thing. And uh, you know, if you look like the world, you talk like the world. John Osteen used to say the church has gotten so worldly and the world has gotten so churchy, you can't tell the difference anymore. And he used to say that 30 years ago. And so 
every crazy thing the world comes up with, a certain percentage of preachers embrace. And uh, then you have this thing of wanting to look like the world. Now, you know, styles come and go. I understand that. Uh, there's a difference between doing something that you think is stylish. I remember years ago up at I-30 at Cathedral Christian Academy, uh, she's here tonight, one of the young girls showed up at school one day with one color laces in one tennis shoe and another color laces in another tennis shoe. And within days, every kid in the school was wearing one color uh, laces in one tennis shoe and one, a different color. See, that, that stuff doesn't matter. That stuff is peripheral. That stuff is superficial. But it's a different thing than trying to look like the world and act like the world and be like the world. Because the only reason you would want to look like the world and talk like the world and act like the world is if you're in love with the world. You know, I was uh, <laughs> trying to rest today after st a staff meeting and all I could hear was my, the, my spirit man inside me say, come out from among them and be separate. You know, we're not supposed to look like them. Amen. We're not supposed to act like them. We're not supposed to talk like them. We're not supposed to behave like them. Amen. Amen. It's a thing wanting to act, be, uh, to, and, and, and to be in love with the world goes hand in hand with wanting to be accepted by the world. I don't give one-tenth of one second per year thinking about whether I'm accepted by the world. Amen. But I think a lot about how I'll be received at the judgment seat of Christ. Amen. I think a lot about that. Amen. But the world, and, and the world's crazy, so from minute to minute, day to day, you don't know how crazy you're going to have to be to be accepted by the world. In other words, you could have been plumb crazy 10 years ago and be an old geezer today and be completely unacceptable to the world. In other words, it's a moving target. Amen. So this new creation is born of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God, born from above, something that, can't, something that man can't do, something that man can't achieve on his own, something that one man cannot do for another man. And this new creation stands uncondemned and reconciled before Father God. 2 Corinthians 5.21, 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for so that in him, everybody say in him, yeah. in him we might become the righteousness of God. We are the righteousness of God in him. So the moment we become new creations, we become the righteousness of God in Christ. It's not something happens outside of Christ. It's not something that happens in our own strength or our own effort. The righteousness of God means the ability to stand in the Father's presence without any sense of guilt or inferiority or condemnation. I remember years ago in a message, sometimes I hear it playing in one of the cars when Kenneth Hagin said that God was his best friend. And I was there for that meeting. I sat in that service and I remember thinking, uh, that's, a, that's a bridge too far. I mean, but you, you, over time, you get there to where the Lord is your best friend because you, you, talk to, you, you talk to the Lord about stuff you wouldn't even tell your spouse. He should be your best friend. But see, part, a part of what hinders us from making Father God our best friend is this, 
sense of guilt and inferiority and condemnation. Now, I'm not saying that we're perfect, but the Bible handles this. 1 John 1, 8, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so, sure, if you have unconfessed sin and you go in his presence, well, you're going to feel guilt, sure. But you don't have to do it that way. You can confess your sins. You know, the Bible specifically says that if you, the man who covers his sins will not prosper. And so we, we, want, we don't want to live our lives with unconfessed sins. So confess it, not to me, not to a priest, but to God. And in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, ask him to forgive you. Then you walk into his throne room. Then you walk into his presence without any sense of guilt or inferiority or condemnation. You see, we are born from above. We became in that moment sons and daughters of God. And as new creations, we are now in Christ Jesus, and we have the ability to stand in the presence of God free from all sense of guilt or unworthiness. Now, why are we going over this several times in these weeks? Well, because until you learn to do this, it's, I don't think, very likely that you could command a demon. I don't think it's very likely that you could command a disease or sickness in your body. See, there has to be a confidence about us. Amen. To speak. I mean, if Jesus had felt guilty or unworthy, now I know he wouldn't have had need to because he lived a sinless life, but if he had felt a sense of guilt or unworthiness, could he have spoken to the waves? Could he have spoken to the wind? No. So... These are principles we have to establish in our life so we can walk in the authority he wants us to walk in. We're going to get to this and new ground here in a moment. Romans 8, 16, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. You know, if you were not his child, he wouldn't speak to you. And the Bible talks about how that he corrects his children this is one way you know you are his child, that he'll correct you, he'll convict you. And people mix up the words convict and condemnation. See, you can come to a church like Faith Christian Center and simply because we're using the scripture in messages, you can feel guilt, conviction, but that's not condemnation. We're not condemning anybody, but the very fact that we're reading the Bible will create conviction. Amen. You know, I've been, I've been in full gospel churches 61 years, and I couldn't count the times I've sat in church and got convicted. But that doesn't mean somebody was condemning me. It just means I was in a church where they were reading the Bible, teaching the Bible, preaching the Bible. And if you fully measure up to the Bible, well, we're going to have an altar call for liars here at the end of the service. <laughs> so in other words, if, if the Bible is being taught and preached in a service, we're going to, we're going to feel some conviction. Right. And it's inevitable, right, over the course of 52 weeks, if you're in a church where they're teaching and preaching the Bible, they're going to get on your thing. <laughs> it's inevitable. Amen. So it, there's nothing wrong with the Word of God. There's, there may be some things in our lives that have to be uh, changed and tweaked and uh, modified and repented of, but there's nothing wrong with the Word of God. We know another fact, and that is we have a legal right to use Jesus' name 
And whatever we ask of the Father in that name, he will grant us. Now, just that statement, see, betrays who we are. He will grant us. We don't speak in, it's not to us, it's not guesswork. It's not luck. It's not chance. We were in a full gospel service out of town a while back, and man, it was like being in a time machine, I'm telling you. I felt like I stepped in a time machine because it was all about a, organizing a fast and trying to get God to do something and a prayer chain and trying to get God to do something and all of this. And, and I told Sue, I said, man, I feel like I'm in a time warp because I, I lived among those people. And uh, I, like living in a, I like living in a place of certainty myself. Amen. And once you learn the authority you have in Jesus' name, you don't live in that realm of chance, random chance. John 14, 13, and 14, and I will do. Jesus said, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now, we don't want to get, we've gone over this in this series. That's to make a demand in the name. So when Peter and John came to the gate called Beautiful, and they saw the cripple who had, who had been there the whole time. So obviously, Jesus himself had walked past that man. There's a lot to be said about being led by the Holy Spirit of God. Some of you wonder if you have a situation going on in your life and you know that I know, you wonder why I don't say anything about it or do anything about it. When I was a young man, I would move out on my own and uh, try and do things by the Spirit in my own, and I learned I didn't have very, I had but a few positive results doing that. But I've learned over the decades, it's hard to believe, but it has been decades, that if I will wait for the Holy Spirit to speak to me or to show me what to do, then I'll have fabulous results. See, we need to be led by the Spirit. So John, Peter, because Jesus had walked past that man, so we know that there must have been a moving of the Spirit inside of Peter and John. He said, look at us. They, the man gave them his attention. Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. And then in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. What did he do? He made a demand on the name of Jesus. He employed the name of Jesus. This is one reason why the very first commandment is a prohibition against taking the, names of God, the name of God in vain. Or we would say now that we know more from the Old Testament, the names of God in vain. We can't allow the name of God, the names of God to be familiar to us. So when we invoke his name, when I say, what do you, what do you mean names of God? Jehovah Jireh, he's my provider. Jehovah Rapha, he's my healer. These names. And God reveals himself to us in the word of God. One way God reveals himself to us in the word of God is through his names. El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. We find out who he is. We find out what his character is by his names. I am that I am. 
He didn't show up. He's not going anywhere. He is. We find out who God is because he's, one way is because he has revealed who he is by his names. He said to Moses, you tell Pharaoh, I am has sent you. And so they, Peter said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. What did he do? He made a demand on the name. He made a demand on the name of Jesus. What I've discovered in my life is that if I'll wait for the Holy Spirit, if I'll pray by the Holy Spirit and limit my words, well, I've discovered that the more words I speak, the 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 less often I get the result I'm desiring. Because the Bible even says when words are many, sin is not absent. So a lot of times we try and pray our best prayer and we're not really trying to get a good result as much as we're trying to cover our own reputation in the eyes of the person we're praying for. Man, he prayed a good prayer. Nothing happened, but he prayed a good prayer. And so I've discovered in my own life in the last 15 or 20 years it's actually more effective for me to say fewer words and count it as done. Amen. It can be irritating to my family. I remember once Sue brought me a grandchild. And I just said four or five words, and she looked at me like, is that all you got, brother? You know, well, that's all it takes. Amen. You know what you're doing. Amen. 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 So we have to have confidence. In that name, John 16, 23, in that day you'll no longer ask me anything. <laughs> I think somebody I love and care about was watching one of my messages because I, I used an illustration a few months back about somebody I love that prays to Jesus. And last time I was around them, they stopped doing that. They prayed to the Father, and I thought, oh, you know, I think nobody's watching, nobody's paying attention, but they might have been. How many of you would agree with this statement? Jesus knew more about prayer than we do. Amen. Can we all agree on that? Yes. So if he told us how to pray, well, maybe it would be a good idea to pray the way he taught us to pray. Amen. I mean, just maybe, do you think? Amen. And he said, in that day, you will no longer ask me anything. What, what is he talking about? Well, they're with him. Three and a half years, he's on the planet. His mini I mean, I'm not saying he was on the planet three and a half years. I'm saying his ministry covered three and a half years. He's with them. So that day, Peter needed money to pay taxes. Well, Jesus is there. You just ask him. And Jesus is saying in that day, what day? When he's gone. When he's gone. In that day. And for us, he's gone. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth. My Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Now, you can talk to Jesus. I'm not saying you can't talk to Jesus. And, you know, you can talk to the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying you can't talk to the Holy Spirit. But when you pray, when you're looking for an answer, anybody here maybe need an answer? When you pray and you need an answer, there's a way to go about it. And, and I'm not making this up. Tell your neighbor, this is not pastor's opinion. I'm just reading the Bible. You know, I'm just reading the Bible. He says, in that day, you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth, my father. Okay, so the very fact he says, my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. So who's our source? Talk to me, who's our source? 
Father God. I tell you the truth, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Well, of course not, because he was there. That'd be stupid. Jesus, in the name of Jesus, can you help me pay my taxes? Right? That'd be stupid. Until now, you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and this really irritates people. Ask, and you'll receive, and your joy will be complete. I know it does. Ask, and you'll receive, and your joy will be complete. The, we'll get to this, this irritation. These verses should clear up every issue in regard to our ability to stand before God in the throne room without condemnation. I mean, if, if we're condemned, why would he give us whatever we ask for in the name of Jesus? He wouldn't do it, would he? If we're unworthy, why would he give us whatever we ask for in the name of Jesus? He wouldn't do it, would he? Sin has been preached to us so long, and we have been told so often that we are unworthy and unfit that it has kept us with a sense of inferiority, which has been destructive to a faith life. That's why we're very particular about the songs we sing at Faith Christian Center. Sometimes, you know, Sue and I tend to watch movies, either old movies or movies about older plots because everything's so crazy now. Uh, but sometimes in a movie, there'll be a hymn. You know, I don't hear many hymns today. And uh, but sometimes we'll, we'll come across a hymn and you're just horrified at how negative they are. And we don't stop and think about the words. Pass me not by, O gentle Savior. Well, this is completely stupid. The Holy Spirit's everywhere. How can he pass you by? If you're his child, why would he pass you by? I mean, it's just, now, it, it, it's a catchy tune, but it's kind of negative. And if you go to church and they sing negative stuff about how you're a worm and you're unworthy, well, it's in you. Just think how the culture has changed because of music. Music is important. You know, my wife, when I get in cars, I'm always listening to the fathers in the faith. Sometimes, Sue, I think she needs a break. I'll get in a car of hers to go put gas in it or something, and, and uh, it'll be set to the classical music station. Well, that, you know, uh, Beethoven and Chopin and uh, Mozart, that, that's just a far, that's a long way from this stuff they got going today. See, in other words... Uh, A lot of it's just not uplifting. And I'm not just talking about rap. I mean, a, a lot of country western music is not uplifting. My wife left me. Somebody killed my dog. You know, I'm so lonesome I could cry. Uh, I, I don't need that myself. I mean, I don't need that. Amen. So I think that's why she listens to classical music. She wants a break. She wants something that's not going to disturb her spirit. And uh, <laughs> because there's no words, there's not, there's not going to be any negative uh, lyrics. Amen? Now, y'all do what you want. I'm going to tell your neighbor. He's not telling you what to do. You know, you can listen to that stuff 24-7. Bother me. Now, no man can walk with God so long as he's under condemnation. You can't, and I'll tell you this, you, there's no way you're going to have authority with God if you are walking in condemnation. There's no way you're going to have authority with God if you're walking in guilt. Amen. 
You can now see that prayer is based on legal grounds. Say it out loud. Prayer is based, prayer is based on, legal grounds. on legal grounds. It's not only based on promises, but on statements of fact. See, this is a statement of fact. Jesus said, I will do whatever you ask in my name. That's a statement of fact. This is why in our 2019 Holy Week Revival, we taught on what we call the law of faith. See, these are laws. People don't understand this. I, I doubt anybody in the room likes Mitt Romney, but why did tithing work for Mitt Romney? Talk to me. Why, why did tithing work for Mitt Romney? Because it's a law. Can you see that? It's a law. It just works. And we, we see a lot of times even unsaved people are givers, maybe not because they're moved along by compassion or the Word of God or the Holy Spirit of God, but, you know, maybe, they're, maybe they feel guilty about having all the money they have. I don't know. But a lot of times people that are big givers, even unsaved people, well, they, they get more blessed over time. It's a law. You never wonder whether or not the law of gravity is going to work today, do you? I mean, do you ever get up in the morning and say, well, you know, I hope the law of gravity is working today. Do you? You count on it. Some of you, some of us, when we get on the scale, wish it wasn't working so good. But I mean, it's working. It's working even when you don't want it to work. Right? Right? Because it's a law, and because it's a law, it always works. Well, the same is true with the Word of God, the word, and with faith and with prayer. It's a law. And this is what I learned about as imperfect as I am at making confessions, this is what I learned about confession. You know, you've heard me tell the story about how I damaged my right shoulder picking a suitcase up stupidly to put on a bed years ago. I got it about 85% healed. Then I did something and irritated it and went backwards. And I got it about 85% healed. And then I did something else and irritated it and went backwards. That happened three or four times. I just stayed with it. Thank you, Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I'm healed. Thank you, Father God. My right shoulder is healed by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Various ways of saying the same thing. And uh, I woke up in Miami. And why? I didn't have an alarm clock over there. I wasn't reaching for a light. I don't know why I did it. I reached out my arm like that. And I thought, huh. No anointing with oil. No prayer chain. No uh, Daniel fast. Even though it was January. Just confessed it. Amen. And that's why, standing here, you know, I've walked the equivalent of three times around the, circ the uh, circumference of the earth since 1988. Three times around the circumference of the earth. I have no pain in my body. I have no pain in my joints. I have no pain in my feet. I take no pills. Now, does pain come? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I just confess it out. Confess it out. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. See, you'll never know if a law works if you don't employ it. 
That's why he says in Malachi 3, test me in this. A lot of God's people, <laughs> they, they <laughs> you know, they forget about testing Fauci's word. See, if somebody had tested Fauci's word, well, they wouldn't have done any of it. But they just did it. But God, I am that I am, comes along and says, test me in this. And they don't even test him. That's what blows my mind. The least I do is try it. Check it out. Try it out. If we will pray God's way according to his word, prayer will work every time. Say it out loud. If we will pray God's way according to his word, prayer will work every time. Yeah, every time. Now, somebody might say, well, what about the book of Daniel? You know, because from the moment Daniel prayed, God sent the answer, but the answer was delayed by the prince of Persia. Doesn't matter. You're going to pray one day and quit? You're going to pray two days and quit? You're going to pray three days and throw in the towel? See, I just stay with it. I just stay with it. The answer comes. Somebody might say, yeah, but what if there's a spirit sent to oppose the answer? Doesn't matter because I'm staying with it. So how can I be so bold in this statement of fact that I just made? That if we will pray God's way according to his word, prayer will work every time. Well, because I have word on it. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. This the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, and how do we know his will? Talk to me. How do we know his will? If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. You know, it was really fascinating Sunday. This happens, of course, every Sunday, but I just had an unusual experience Sunday because Sue's the fabulous, totally fabulous grandma. And so, you know, even Emily's the youngest, but she comes in the house, somebody sets her down, and she starts tugging on the pantry door. Well, she's not big enough to get that open. So she goes over to the refrigerator door, she's pulling on that handle. Well, she's not strong enough to do that either. So then she goes over to the pantry door. She's tugging on that handle. She's not strong enough to pull that. And then Samuel's wanting something and Julia's wanting something. And, you know, it's just the nature of young children. They don't mean to sound like they're whining or crying when they're making a request, but it's just the kind of the nature of a toddler. And uh, so all this racket's going on. And the, I'm sitting at the kitchen table and the thought occurred to me, that must be what the throne room of God is like. Because you got all these people and they're telling God about the price of gas and they're crying about how they can't pay their rent. See a lot of whining and crying and complaining going on. But then I, 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 I just had this thought. What if I walk into the midst of all of that and I'm speaking his word to him? Right. See his attention is going to go to his word. Can you see that? That's what I get out of this. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Anybody here ever whine to God? I got my hand up. Did you get an answer? Anybody ever complain to God? I got my hand up. Did you get an answer? Anybody ever been angry with the Lord? I got my hand up. Did you get an answer? See, so we have proven through trial and error that none of that works. And actually, I think this is one of the biggest ploys of the devil is to get us upset with the Lord, get us angry with the Lord, because when we stop talking to him, you stop talking to the Lord, well, you have no hope of an answered prayer. 
And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, say it out loud, whatever we ask. Whatever we ask. Say it again, whatever we ask. Whatever we say ask. it again, whatever we, whatever we ask. See, if we, and if we know that he hears us, and this solves praying about the same stuff all the time. In other words, it's in 365 days, I might ask the Lord for something two days. Maybe. But if I ever do ask the Lord for something, if I ever do go to Father God, now, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I ask, if I ever do that, and I, I may do that two days, twice in a year, maybe, maybe never. But if I ever do that, then I only pray that prayer one time. I assume he heard me. I assume he answered me. And then I go to rejoicing. Amen. See, when you go to God, you know, Jerry Savelle used to tell the funniest story. When the girls were little, they get done with church on a Sunday night. And they're, they're headed home. And one of the girls says, Daddy, can we stop and get ice cream on the way home? He said, you know, that's a great idea. Sure, we'll do that. They get two minutes down the road, and one of the girls says, Daddy, can we get ice cream on the way home? And, and he says, well, I told you we would. And, you know, there are two more minutes down the road, and one of the girls says, Daddy, can we get ice cream on the way home? And, and he said, I don't know why you girls do that to me. I told you I would take you. Why do you do that to me? And the Lord said, why are you chastising them? You do that to me. See, we ask one time. And then we go to thanking him for it. Thank you, Father God. I believe I have received. Thank you. And I, 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 to break the monotony, I find different ways of saying it, but I'm saying the same thing in different ways. I thank him. You know, I thank him. I'm, I'm healed from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet. I thank him that he blesses my food and water and takes sickness and disease out of my midst. I thank him that he keeps me free from disease. Deuteronomy 7.15. I mean, I find all kinds of ways to say the same thing and thank him and rehearse, recite his word to him. David said, I, I recite my verses for my king. Amen. He didn't say, I give him my prayer list, I give him my prayer chain, I do my Daniel fast, I tell him all of my complaints. None of that's going to work. We've all tried all that. This is the confidence we have in approach. Confidence. It's not gambling. It's not like going to Vegas. This is the confidence. Say confidence. confidence. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. We know that we have. So what happens when we keep asking for the same thing over and over and over? We're actually saying 1 John 5, 14 and 15 is not true. So, you know, we just... And the Bible says, Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. He talked about going before the Lord with thanksgiving. <laughs> you just get a lot more with gratitude than you do with complaining. I'll tell you that right now. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a secret. Years ago, I was in a champion builder group, and I think it was Lynn Walden mentioned a verse out of Deuteronomy 28, and it I mean, I'd read that verse a thousand times. I went back to the house and I meditated on that and I meditated on, I mean, all day long. I think it was a Saturday. I mean, I couldn't get past that verse. And so I changed the way I began praying. When I walk out the front door, the first thing I do 
is I ask the Lord if there's any unconfessed sin in my heart, in my life, because I want to get that out of the way. And then the next thing I do is I say, with joy and gladness, with joy and gladness, with joy and gladness, do I serve you, O Lord my God, in my day of prosperity. And I'm telling you, and I do that three times, first, first thing out, out the front door, since I started that, we have been on a glide path of prosperity like I have never enjoyed in all of my years. You know, if this was, I said last night, if this was a traditional church and I had a traditional board, they'd be very upset with me because just last year we spent a million dollars refreshing this building. We spent three quarters of a million dollars upgrading the television equipment, and I never received an offering for any of it. Think about it. Most churches, most church boards, they'd be very upset with me. But we didn't go backwards. I mean, I figured, why bother you all if the money's coming anyway? <laughs> oh, you mean act like a lot of preachers and poor mouth and act like we ain't got it when they got it. <laughs> There's a preacher down the road and he, he, doesn't, uh, he doesn't act like he has the ability, doesn't have the resources, doesn't have the ability to have children's church, but he's shopping it, looking at jets. I think uh, running children's church is a bigger priority than that. Amen. With joy and gladness. See, this will get, just get your mind right. Yes. Tell your neighbor, get the complaint out of your mouth. <laughs> Tell the neighbor on the other side, get the complaint out of your mouth. <laughs> with joy and gladness, with joy and gladness, with joy and gladness. You know, I, I've been stymied this year in my, my annual Bible reading. I'm not exactly right on schedule like I should be, but... I noticed this this year about David. He was very content to leave things in the hands of God. Remember when he, he made the mistake and he counted the fighting men, which they were, kings were specifically prohibited from counting horses and the fighting men. The idea was that they were to look to the Lord. They weren't to look to natural resources. And and the Lord gave him a choice of three things. And uh, he put himself in the hands of God. Three, three days. Pestilence. Fam, uh, plague. He put himself, in, because he said, the, the Lord is merciful. See, he was given the opportunity to be put into the hands of men, to be put on the run. For, he didn't trust that, but he try, but, but in other words, the Lord is merciful. Amen. Fear is what has gripped this nation, and fear is what has gripped this world. And I say to you without apology that if you know him, you should have no fear in your heart. Amen. And I don't get this thing of being afraid of dying. Now, I've been young, and, but I, we were never afraid of dying. We crossed the border from Kenya to Tanzania. And uh, Tanzania in those days was socialist. 
All their military had been trained in Russia. And uh, they pointed that AK-47 at Sue in the back seat. And uh, of course, we're, we're parents. We were mindful of Austin, but we weren't afraid. I was in a roundabout in Nairobi, and uh, the army was coming through. I didn't know there were special rules for the army. I mean, I know the rules of the road in a British colony. And uh, apparently they didn't like me not stopping everything and letting them go by. And uh, one of them pointed a machine gun at me while the other one, you know, beat my head in. We were, we'd never been afraid. I, I get home, she said, what happened to you? Ah, oh, nothing. You know, then she, you know how women are, she has to hear the whole thing. <laughs> But fear, I remember flying into Tulsa one, one afternoon and a crazy thunderstorm. I mean, we were right in the middle of the cell and that plane was pitching and heaving and I, I've never been in a flight like that in my entire life. I, saw, I told the Lord, I said, well, if this is it, I'm ready. He said, no. He said, this plane can't go down and you're on it. He said, you have many more nations of the earth to preach in. But to be afraid, never been afraid. Never been afraid. Say it out loud. He is with me. He is in me. He is on me. His word is in me. His word works for me. See, we're born from above. And of course the world doesn't understand. Of course the world doesn't get it. I mean, they're upset. We're not afraid. You know, somebody, we were in Miami and it came up somewhere. It was, it was not just me or Sue, but somebody mentioned sudden adult death syndrome, which they just invented. And I said, well, I have immunity from that. And you could tell people are irritated. I have immunity from that. No, prayer works. The problem is, the problem is, see, we, want to, we don't want to do things according to the instructions. It's true of tithing. Giving offerings is led by the Holy Spirit. It's true of prayer. And frankly, I have trouble understanding this generation because in my generation, you know, I remember sitting there and having lunch with Finest Jennings Dake twice and eating with Kenneth Hagin at Joe Stone Crab in Miami. And I mean, if any of them had ever said to me, that's not the way you do that, here's the word on it, well, I would have changed. But we've tried to talk to ministers about Daniel fast, coordinated fast, prayer change. They, they, you can't teach them anything. No, they don't want to learn anything. They already know everything. See, if, if you already know everything, you're unteachable. And I don't know about you, but I, I learn things on a regular basis.
And that's why this COVID mania is never going to come to an end because nobody, nobody, nobody in 2022 is ever going to say we were wrong. It can't, there, it's just not possible in our culture in 2022. But you see, to be a born-again child of God, you have to go to God and you have to say, I have sinned. It's fundamental. Mm-hmm. Say it out loud. I don't know everything. everything. See, that wasn't hard, was it? <laughs> and to do things God's way. This is the key to everything. It is the key to everything. How about doing sex God's way? I never cease to be amazed. You know, you have some young person and uh, they get into promiscuity. They have two or three kids by two or three men. And then that's it. They're, they're done. Then you have a young woman and she gets married. I mean, if we were just keeping track, the, the woman that gets married has more sex than the woman that was promiscuous because she has a lifetime. See, in other words, do it God's way. Do it God's way. How about just how about getting married and staying married? How about, not giving, how about not giving your stuff to somebody else to drive and live in and all of that? Just doing it God's way. Saving money. That's in the Bible. Just doing it God's way. How about, how about getting married before you have babies? See, I'm out there now. This is a key... Larry Elder, the black radio guy, uh, radio, uh, what do you call him? He's not a newscaster. He has a radio show. But he says this is a fundamental key to success and prosperity. Amen. The order in which you do things. Right. The order in which you do things. Amen. Get your education knocked out. Then get married. Then have children. It'd be very, I think only 9% of the people who do that in order are living in the ranks of the poor. But if people don't finish their education and they have babies, 77% of them live in the ranks of the poor. It's pretty amazing. Just do things in the right order. But see, everything in our culture is a rejection of the word of God, the authority of God, and doing things God's way. And man, when, when, when they rejected a man and a woman getting married and doing it God's way, we, we thought that was the, the end game. Man, they were just getting started. Because now the big debate, I mean, they have debates now that I can't, it's like a pretzel. I can't even get my mind around what they're even debating. If the guy is, becomes that and then the gal becomes that, can this guy be that and can that gal be that? I mean, I, I'm, I'm just confused. I, I don't even know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, and I go home to my wife and my family. It seems very simple. Right. <laughs> no confusion going on whatsoever. Amen. Amen. 
Uh, we had a report just today. Somebody takes a child to a pediatrician, and the pediatrician asks the child, I'm talking about a toddler, asks the toddler, are you a boy or a girl? Look, this is where you leave skid marks. Amen. This is where you fire them. This is where you go get another one. Amen. Because you, you these people that work for you, and you, just because somebody's an MD or a JD doesn't mean they're above you or superior to you. You're, if you're parting with money, they work for you. Amen. So you need to find, I'm not saying you ought to do something against them. I'm saying you ought to find one that is of a similar mindset to you. Yes. You know, Sue, Sue just snickers. We, we'll meet an attorney. We, our, we had an attorney that we really loved, passed away. We had an attorney that was okay, and he retired. So, you know, we, we go interview attorneys. First thing I do, man, I throw hand grenades. Because I want to see what they react to. We had an architect come sit in my office. We're talking about drawing phase two. What do you think Pastor Gene's doing? I'm throwing hand grenades. I want to see if I get a reaction. Because if I get a reaction, I just don't. Why should I deal with that? Uh, an architect's a two-year deal. I don't want to deal with that two years. Somebody, you know, I have to watch every word. I have to be careful, you know. I got to watch. I got, I got to understand pronouns. I don't want to understand pronouns. <laughs> you know, I want to, I want to live my life. I want to be around kinsmen. Amen. Do you understand? I want to be around my tribe. Yes. I want to be around people of like mind and like heart and like spirit. Amen. So we got off course a little bit, but this is the surety of prayer. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his word, he hears us, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. It's amazing to me. You can tell people 100,000 times they need to find two scriptures for the situation, for, for their situation. You need to find two scriptures that covers your case. And then when they come to us out in the fellowship atrium or somewhere and they want us to pray about something, typically assume more than me, we'll say, well, what scriptures are you standing on? And they just look at you like, huh? See, you have, to, you have to have word that covers your situation. You go to God on the basis of his word. I mean, think about going to court and saying, well, you know, judge, I don't have any case law, but it just seems to me, you know, this is my opinion. I think, how far are you going to get? You're not going to get very far at all. So if you're going to make an argument to that judge, even a natural human judge, you got to have precedent, you got to have case law, you got to have logic, you have to state your case. Yes. Right? Well, God's throne room is a courtroom. And we have to be prepared to go in there and state our case. Father, you said in your word, I believe what you said is true. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? 
Thank you, Father God. Don't, don't be critical. Thank you, Father God. Your word is true, and you are a God of your word. And because you have said this in your word, I have confidence, and I give you the praise and the credit and the glory and the honor because I know this is my answer. I know this is mine. And then, then, and this is the key to everything, even if you pray 100% correctly, you can go right out the door and spray it down with, hose it down with unbelief by the words you speak. And you know what is the number one saboteur of our prayers? Looking for sympathy. And there's no spousal privilege on unbelief. I did that for years. I'd go and I'd pray a prayer of faith and then I would go and tell Sue, you know, how I was hurting in my body or this or that or the other. Uh, and I was, a, I, was, I was big about complaining about money. No telling how much trouble I caused myself. I mean, right? That's why God gave me a wife, to complain to her. <laughs> right? I mean, I was at least smart enough to not, after 1989, I was at least smart enough to not complain to God. But that's why God gave me a wife, right? To complain to her. But by and by, I found out that there was no point in spending an hour praying and uh, believing God and confessing his word and then go right out and hose down my own prayer with unbelief. Now, I had to, I had to give up uh, looking for sympathy. I had to give up looking for uh, empathy. I had to give up. I had to give up complaining. I had to give it up. I had to give it up. Thank you, Father God. With joy and gladness. With joy and gladness. With joy and gladness do I serve you in my day of prosperity. Say it out loud. Thank you, Father God. With joy and gladness. With joy and gladness. With joy and gladness. Do I serve you in my day of prosperity. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.